to your faithfulness, God, to us, O God. Lord, if we could be yet faithful to you, Lord Jesus, if we could just be faithful to you, God. Lord, faithful in our mind, faithful in our spirit, faithful in our actions, O God. Hallelujah. There's nothing that goes on in this world that you don't see, God. Lord Jesus, you see everything. You know everything, O God. You know every detail, every private thing, O God. You know all about it, Lord Jesus. There's nothing hidden from you, Lord Jesus, O God. We need you to have your way among us today, Lord Jesus. We need you to have your way, Lord Jesus. You're able, O God. There's no limitations, O God, that we can put on you except our lack of faith, O God. In the name of Jesus, you can go anywhere. You can do anything. You can say anything to anybody, Lord Jesus. You can get behind every wall, inside of every building, O God, inside of every home, O God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. 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 Well, how great is our God. How great is His name. He's the greatest one. Carol. He's forever the same. When He rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea, then He said, I want to leave you. So put your trust in me. Turn the music off. How great is our God. How great is His name. He's the greatest one. We're not just saying it, God. We mean it. He's forever the same. You're forever the same. You roll back the waters. Of the mighty Red Sea. Then he said, I want to lead you. So put your trust in me. How great is our God. How great is his name. He's the greatest one. He's forever the same. When he rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea, then he said, I want to lead you to put your trust in me. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We believe you, Jesus. We believe, O oh God, what your word says. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your mighty hand and your outstretched arm in this place today. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Exploring God's Word. Exploring. You know, the first guy that 
climbed Mount Everest, got all the way to the top, saw everything he saw and came back and gave a report, and that should have been the end of that, right? No. To this day, people are still climbing Mount Everest. Well, if somebody's already been up there and seen everything that's need to be seen, why in the world would you need to go up there too? Can't you just go read what that guy said was up there? Isn't that good enough? Or the first guy, <laughs> or the first guy that went over to to Egypt and and did the first dig and started finding the first little bits of of our history of the church's history of the things that they said was just stories in the Bible. They actually found stuff to to prove that it was really not just a book written about some stories, but it was real. And and so that first guy did that first dig, and you think that would have been enough? But it wasn't. They're still over there digging. People are still climbing Mount Everest, Sister Bell. (laughs) Why are they doing that? Because if one guy explored it, isn't that good enough? So if we're talking about exploring God's Word, if Is Brother DeMuth getting up here and teaching a Bible study to the church? Is that good enough? Is that good enough for you? I hope it's not. Because there are nuggets of truth and there is revelation in this book that we call the Bible that we follow and read, or I hope we read it. There's things in there that he has for you. And there's things that I get up here and say, and and it's probably right out of the Word. And you probably sit there and go, yeah, that's awesome. And if you stop right there and you don't go any further than that, just saying, whoo, yeah, amen, that's awesome, then that revelation, that Word doesn't do you any good. Because you'll go out of here and you'll forget about it. But if you go outside this building, outside this room, and you go take your Bible and you go, yeah, Brother Demuth said that, and yeah, it's right out of the Word, and, and I don't believe he lied or mis, or misrepresented the truth, but I've got to go study that for myself. You've got to make that revelation your own. You've got to make that truth your own. <clears throat> you know... The day of Pentecost was such a profound thing. It was, nothing like that had ever happened before. They had celebrated that, that same day of Pentecost for many, many years before that. But something happened at this one that was different. Why was it different? Because some people that believed in the one that everybody else said was just a man and a prophet believed what he said. And they did something that was out of the norm, out of the ordinary, outside of the realm of what was considered tradition for that day. They went to a, they did what he said. It didn't make sense. Did, nobody had ever done it before, Sister Linda. It didn't make sense. They went to an upper room and they prayed. Can you imagine a 10-day prayer meeting? 
Some of us can't even imagine a 10-minute prayer meeting. Sorry. It's true. <laughs> 10 days. 10 days. First day, nothing happened. Second 24 hours, still praying, nothing happened. Third day, nothing happened. They were willing to endure 10 days or however long it took until something happened. And it says in the book of Acts, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. They didn't just stop praying because they got the Holy Ghost and they got baptized in Jesus' name. They didn't stop praying. They didn't stop fasting. They did not stop seeking the Lord. They didn't have Bibles to study. I understand that. We have that advantage today. This Word of God was is, has been kept over all these centuries and we have it at our disposal today i mean i've got it on my phone i got it on my bible i got it on my ipad i mean there's no reason to not have a bible and it's in hundreds of languages and it goes on to say and fear came upon every soul every one of those people not fear as in like fear, being fearful, but a fear of reverence. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and they that believed were together and had all things common. The believers had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. They didn't just sit back and say, Okay, God, we got the Holy Ghost. We've been baptized in Jesus' name. We're living holy and separated, God. Great job. Back to you, God. That's not how they did it. It's <laughs> not how they did it, is it? It wasn't just the apostles that went from house to house. I'm sorry to have to tell you that. I don't think the apostles went from house to house. I'd have, you'd have to, I'd have to study that. But it seems to me like when I read that, it was the saints, it was the people, the new converts, those three thousand new converts, turned the world upside down. And if you read a couple of chapters later, five thousand more were added. How in the world did that happen? Those 12 guys didn't go baptize 5,000 people. I'm sorry. I can't prove that they didn't, but prove me wrong. <laughs> I believe that believers baptized other believers. I believe that. That was the plan of God. That was how the church grew. Paul couldn't be there. In fact, when he was in jail, what were they going to do? Say, well, I'm sorry, I can't baptize you until Paul gets out of jail. No, they didn't do that. So we can't be satisfied with Brother DeMuth and Brother Becker up here teaching and preaching and, and just say that's good enough, can we? 
Because you've got to seek out your own salvation. That's what Jesus told us, right? Or Paul or one of them. Somebody in that book said, seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's yours. You better make sure you know. How in the world are you going to give an answer to every man for the hope that's in you if you're only dependent on what you hear in this building twice a week? I'm I'm not being the pastor, okay? Just I'm just I feel an urgency to just say this, okay? And it's important. It's important. We're we're kind of going back to where we were. We kind of left off at the road to Calvary, and um, talking about everything that Jesus went through to get to the place where He did what He did for us. And this is not on your list, but don't put it up there. I'll just read it. First Peter one eighteen to twenty one says, "For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by traditions of your fathers." It wasn't just everyday religion that saved them. But with the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in those in these times, these last times for you. He was manifest for you, Bob. He went through all of that all the way back there in, in 2,000 years ago and beyond for you. He saw Bob. He saw Linda. He saw everybody in here and all the mess that we were involved in before we were ever born. And he did that for you, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. It was already in the plan of God for him to save every one of us. Who by, who by him do believe in God? By him. Who's him? Jesus, right? That raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. We got a great thing here. And we need to share it. We need to, we need to proclaim, that word preach means proclaim publicly, the gospel. The good news. Can you remember the first time somebody ever told you Jesus loved you? You tell some people that, and they're like, whatever. Now, they might say that out loud openly, but something inside of them is going, I wonder if he really does. Because there's a lot of hurting people that don't, it, they just need somebody to love them. That's why a lot of these people are in the mess they're in today, because they were never loved, truly loved. And so it's up to us to love them. You got to know that you know that you know this. John fourteen twenty six says, "But but the Comforter, which is the is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you." Anybody ever had that happen to you? You're you're in a situation where you you're confronted with. An opportunity to be a witness to somebody and you feel like you don't know what to say and all of a sudden just something out of nowhere just comes into your head. God gave you that. He'll remind you what to say. You know how he does that? He reminds you of stuff you've already studied. You've already read for yourself. How important is it to know what that book says? 
for yourself. Study to show yourself approved unto the pastor, unto your wife, unto your mother. No, unto God. I need to be approved unto God. I need to study to show myself approved. He's not just going to magically do it for you. It's going to take effort. And it's going to take something that we all think we don't have enough of. Time. You have to make time. If I want that car fixed in my garage, I have to make time. It's not going to fix itself. It's been there for over a year, about a year and a half. It won't fix itself. That stuck bolt will not come loose by itself. I have prayed over it. I will admit, Lord, you know. <laughs> but he hasn't seen fit to loosen it. So there's probably a lesson for me to be learned in that. But I've got to be active in the kingdom. I've got to be actively reading God's word. And I've got to be active involved in what God wants has called me and you to do. To be a witness. Hallelujah. Everybody said amen. Everybody said hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Everything that Jesus went through in his life on this earth was the culmination of events that were planned before this world began. He suffered. Amazing what he went through. The road to Calvary. First Peter eighteen. First Peter one eighteen. There's no chapter eighteen in verse Peter. <laughs> Don't try to find it. <laughs> For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, and from vain conversation, we've already read this. But we have to know, we have to recognize and understand why we're here. If you see a turtle on a fence post, what do they say? He didn't get there by himself. Turtles can't climb fence posts. Somebody had to put him there. You didn't save yourself. I know the book says save yourself from this untoward generation, but that's not what it means. You can't save yourself except that you submit yourself to the will and the plan and purpose of God. Amen? You can't. You can't save yourself. And it doesn't change after you get the Holy Ghost. You can't just say, I got this, God. I'll let you know if I need anything. You can't do that. It's not going to work. We have great ideas. We have probably really great ideas. But if it's not the will of God, if that's not the way God wants it done, it's useless to even try it. He suffered ridicule, disrespect, slander, betrayal, pain, suffering, cruel mocking, beatings, and agony on our behalf. He took upon himself all of the sin of the world, past, present, and future. You look around you today and you, I mean, all the babies that have been killed over the last, since 1974 or whatever, and before, and all the, the mess that's going on and the sin, and you just look at it sometimes, you just want to go crawl in a hole somewhere. It so, seems so evil. And he loves every one of those people. 
He does. Whether they know it or not, whether they want to acknowledge it or not, whether they acknowledge they need it or not, He loves them. Because He said in His Word that He would not, not that any should perish, meaning going to hell, or that, but that all should come to repentance. He's not, he's not willing to send anybody to hell at all. And matter of fact, He's not going to send anybody there. As one preacher said, it's going to be the preponderance of evidence against you that's going to send you there. They use that, that's a legal term in court. The preponderance of evidence is so strong against you that you can't, you can't defense attorney your way out of this. There's too much evidence in favor of that you, you are guilty of this. And there's going to be too much evidence in Against those individuals, they're going to have have every have had every chance. They, if they heard the gospel once and ignored it, it's on them. But we got to be out there at least telling them, don't we? Well, about half of you agree with that, because <laughs> you know it's it's going to take time. You have to devote time to do outreach. You have to devote time to pray for your neighborhood, for your neighbor, for your city, for your coworker. You have it takes time, and our flesh doesn't want to do it. Our flesh does not. We don't want to give up our time, do we? Now, I, I got other stuff to do. And if you're putting your stuff in front of what God wants you to do, I mean that's a that's a rough place to be in. Because when we came into this, we kind of agreed, whether you realize you did it or not, that you're not your own. You're bought with a price. How many, how many agrees with that? I'm not my own. What does that mean? Does that mean I don't get to have a say? Does it? It means I don't get to make all the decisions for myself? Does that mean I have to ask God about everything? That's up to you. That's up to your faith. What I believe is I don't. I mean, it's. I heard one preacher say it's so important to, down to the point of even asking God what to wear that because you never know when God's going to speak to somebody who's hungry and say, if you'll go to this church on this street at this address, there's going to be a man in a checkered gray suit that's going to be speaking and he's going to tell you what you need to do. Now, can God do that? So what if it? What if I wear the wrong thing? Just think about that for a minute. <laughs> what if I didn't ask God? I mean, it seems silly, doesn't it? Oh, come on! God doesn't care what you wear. It's important. Because what if God's telling somebody that they're going to run into a lady in a dark blue outfit in a restaurant or a grocery store somewhere? You better be in the right clothes. I know that seems trivial, but wow. God's serious. This is serious. He died for us. Romans 5, 8 through 10 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So every one of us was yet a sinner at one point. And to some extent, we still are. Are we still capable of sin? 
As long as you live in this thing right here called flesh, you're fully capable of sin. You're fully capable of being tempted of the devil. If Jesus walked in the flesh and he was tempted of the devil, we're not getting out of it. But we have this comforter he's talking about. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made us, made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might, that he, that we might be made the righteousness of God. He went to the cross for every sin, even the ones that might be being committed right here in this room today. And you're saying to yourself, what? Who would be committing sin in church? Who would possibly be doing that? Is there a sin called unbelief? Could there be somebody? Could there be? I'm not saying there is. Could there be somebody sitting in this room that is is, is exercising a spirit of unbelief? All the time. In probably every church, there's somebody sitting on a pew going, uh-huh, with their head. But in here, they're like, they're somewhere else. I used to be one of those people. I used to come to church and say, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody, everybody thought I was right on. But I wasn't. God knew that. Hallelujah. Nonetheless, he died for us. We gotta take this serious. Don't we? So what happened after his death? I mean he he they said that he was beaten so that he was not I believe in Isaiah fifty three he he had a visage that he, you couldn't recognize him. And they say that his back was like a plowed field. And he went through all of that. And he, Jesus Christ preached one of the most profound things that he ever preached, hanging on the cross. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He preached the message of forgiveness. Who was he saying, forgive them to? Who was he saying that about? He was saying that about you. And we read that, and we know he was saying that about the ones that were crucifying him that day, the ones that had beat him that day and spit on this innocent man that day. But he was teaching us a principle. Because if you can go through all of that, none of us have even come close. Sometimes you go through stuff in your life, and you feel like you're going through hell. But you've gone through nothing compared to what Jesus went through. And yet he looked down at them and said that. How much the more do we need to say, Father, forgive them and not carry a grudge? Because the enemy would like nothing better than for you to carry a grudge about some little thing that if you just, you know, if you just read your Bible, here we go back to that again. Where it says, cast every care upon him, for he careth for you. What's every care? It's everything you care about. If somebody offends you, somebody does you wrong, that's something you care about, isn't it? 
And if you carry around unforgiveness over that, I don't care if it happened 30 years ago. If you carry unforgiveness for that, you haven't given that to God. Period. And can God use you if you have that going on in your life? No. That's going to get in the way from God using you to do anything. Isn't it? If I'm wrong, you tell me. Okay? And if he doesn't speak up, then you need to consider what I'm saying. Because it's not just me saying it. It's God saying it to you. So after he died, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. I'm not going to get into it now, but you need to go study about that veil. It wasn't just like one of them little curtains back there. There's no way. It was probably at least as tall as the tallest part of this roof right here. Nobody could get up there and reach it to start tearing it from the top to the bottom. And even if they had a ladder tall enough or a guy tall enough, they couldn't have ripped it because of what it was made out of. Only God could have ripped that thing from top to bottom and revealed that tabernacle that we have access to. That was the whole point. It's, not, it's no more just for the priests. It's no more just for the special people, the special chosen ones. But the presence of God is available for anybody, whomsoever will. And what does that mean? It means the power of God's available to whomsoever will. Isn't that awesome? And, and we could go into a whole study on what that, the power of God means in your life. We're going to touch on that in a little bit. So there was an earthquake that happened at a nearby cemetery, and a whole bunch of rocks were broke loose, and a whole bunch of people that were dead came to life and walked around the city and were talking to people. Went back home to their relatives. Like, like Peter, hey, it's Vince. Ah, it must be his spirit because he's in the grave. No, somebody go open the door. It's him. Right? That happened. Just because Jesus died on a cross. That's some power right there. And some wealthy guy named Joseph of Arimathea, who had his own private grave, went to the king and said, I want to take his body down and dress it and, and bury it properly. Wouldn't that have been awesome to be that guy? For God to call on you, that's the only time you hear about Joseph of Arimathea. Really. That was his whole purpose and goal. His whole reason for following Jesus and believing in Jesus. His whole reason for being was for that one purpose. That was it. That's the honorable mention he got. I want God to use me to do something great like that. If that's the only thing I live this life for is to do one thing for the kingdom, I'll be happy to do that. I'm not going to seek after positions and places of, you know, and all that. If God wants me there, He'll put me there. He put me here. <laughs> Only God could have gotten me to move to Wisconsin. <laughs> Only God. <laughs> Seriously. Because in my flesh, I did not want to do it. 
that I was more interested in pleasing God than anything and listening to his voice and obeying his voice, especially when it didn't make a lick of sense at all. But Lord only knows what he was saving me from by moving me up here, Sister Bell. I still to this day probably won't know until Jesus comes. But He, who knows what he was saving me from and delivering me from. Nothing wrong with Kentucky. Really. Some great people in Kentucky. But maybe there was some situation there that he was delivering me from. And he had to move me away from there to get me away from something that was going to cause me to be lost. Would, would God do that for you? He absolutely would. He took me all the way around the world to a little church in Okinawa, Japan to show me truth. And he used whatever means he could to get me there. I had to go through eight weeks of boot camp and all kinds of other stuff to get to that place. But it was God's plan. Thank God for that. So mission accomplished, right? Jesus went to the cross and died. That was his whole purpose and sole purpose in life was to take the gospel to the poor and down the cross. That was it. Right? He suffered the judgment we deserve. The Bible said he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So can you imagine knowing that your whole purpose and goal in life is to die? To be born to die. Can you imagine that? And he kept trying to tell them. And they just didn't get it. (laughs) He kept trying to tell them what was going to happen. And they still didn't get it. And when it happened, they still didn't get it. (laughs) And those guys, they went to an upper room somewhere to hide. And Jesus had to go up to that upper room and show up in the upper room. And the Bible says that he, what did it say? He gave, he gave them some grief about their unbelief. Yeah. That, I can't remember that scripture, but the word there, what's that? He upbraided them. Have you ever been called on the carpet and been yelled at by your boss? That's about what happened. He upbraided them. He, he gave them what for? He gave them a good talking to. And then after he gave them a good talking to because he, he loved them, he, then what did he tell them to do? Go. Get out of this room. Go. Just, I didn't call you to come back here and sit in a room, hide from the Jews. <laughs> they didn't believe that he was going to resurrect, and there he was showing up in the room. <laughs> Jesus is awesome, isn't he? He became our high priest. He's still our high priest. The Bible says he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That's not just physical sickness in your body. That's our weaknesses, our, our shortcomings, our failings, of which we all have plenty. But the Bible says when we're weak, he's strong. So sometimes we have weaknesses in our life for a reason. Because he doesn't want us to feel strong in ourself. He wants us to be dependent on him. 
He defeated death, hell, and the grave. Did he not? We should, we should not be afraid of death at all. He defeated death. Death, all that is, is our, is our ticket home. And who decides when you're the, the day of your birth and the day of your death is? I think the Bible even says that he knows the day of our birth and the day of our death, doesn't it? See, you need to study that. If you don't know that, you need to go find that. And these Bibles these days, I mean, it's got concordances. And if you have a digital Bible, all you got to do is type a couple words in the search window, and you can find every scripture that's got those words in it. It's not hard to study the Bible. Okay? It's not. I, I challenge you to know what that, that one in between the two pieces of leather, where, how to find your way around in one of those real Bibles that's in a book form. Because when all the technology goes south, you better know how to find your way around the Bible. Keep keep a backup handy. <laughs> That's right, paper copy. <laughs> and you better know how to find your way around it. If you don't know the books of the Bible, I encourage you to learn them. Just just to know, just to in, just to memorize the books of the Bible in order helps you immensely to find your way. You don't need those tabs. I wasn't looking at you when I said that, Brother Richard. (laughs) Although they guarded his tomb, they couldn't stop him from resurrecting. They couldn't stop him. Can't stop the plan and purpose and will of God. You can't stop the church. What what happened when they persecuted the church in the book of Acts? Somebody explained to me one time if you <coughs> pour some gasoline down on the on the ground and you set it on fire and you're just standing there watching it burn, you take your foot and you go like that, it's not going to put it out. It's just going to send some gas with fire on it that way and some gas with fire on it that way and it's just going to go everywhere. So then you're going to have a bunch of little fires over there and over there and over there. So you're not really going to put it out. That's what the church is. Right? But it doesn't do us any good to have all that fire sitting in here. (laughs) They need to see us out there. We need to do like the first church. Going from house to house. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8 For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and after that He was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. They died. And after that, he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles. And then in verse 8, it says, And last of all, Paul said, he was, also seen, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Well, Paul didn't physically see Jesus, did he? But Jesus came to see Paul. Didn't he? And Paul knew who it was. Because you know why? He asked. 
Is it okay to ask Jesus? What does this mean? People do it all the time when they have visions and dreams and they don't understand it. The first thing out of their mouth is, God, what is that? What does it mean? Wouldn't you want to know? I'd want to know. I saw some weird dream and I thought, okay, God, I didn't eat pizza for dinner last night, so it can't be that. So you must have told me this for a reason. So what's the reason? What's What do those symbols mean? What does that mean? It's nothing wrong with asking God what's that mean. And Paul did that, and Paul got his answer immediately. Does that mean God's always going to answer us immediately? Sometimes he just won't answer at all. Sometimes he'll say no. Sometimes he'll ask you to do things, and you'll try to say no. He'll try to send you somewhere, and you'll go, oh, no, 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 God, that's... I don't have the right personality for that, and I don't have the... Because you're telling God that he made a mistake by calling you to do that. Like he didn't know you have a an introvert personality and that you can't possibly do that. Right? Because he created you. How would he not know that you already... Everything about you, right? <laughs> but that's why he's calling you to do that. Because he doesn't want you to do it. He just wants you to show up. He's going to do it through you so that you don't take the glory. He gets the glory. I don't know why I'm here. People have said that probably for for decades. God told them to go somewhere, and they went there and stood and said, Okay, God, I'm here. Now what? Because that's all they told him. That's all he told them. And then he would give them the next next set of instructions. But he wanted to see if they had enough faith to go there. Like... You will go to Wisconsin and you will serve me there. What does that mean? Crickets. <laughs> Silence. Ask him again. What exactly does that mean? <laughs> he wasn't going to tell me. He was waiting for me to go. And he still hasn't really told me. Because what does it mean when God says you will go to Pick your place and serve me there. Well, wow, serve me could be could mean a whole host of things, Sister Linda. It could mean I mean everything from A to Z and everything beyond that. So I'm just here serving him. And I have a peace about being here. Nothing, not even the winter and the snow has scared me away. <laughs> not even all the Green Bay Packer fans that have tried to make me one. I just rebuke them in Jesus' name, under my breath. I don't say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just start talking about the Vikings. That'll get them to walk away. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Great Commission. The Great Commission. That's what we're here for, right? Jesus' ascension and final instructions. Acts 1, 1 through 8. This former treatise I have made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus begun to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. The same guy that wrote the book of Luke wrote the book of Acts.
really kind of a continuation of the book of Luke. You want to look at it that way. So Luke must have been there. Right? He was the CNN reporter on site. If you want to look at it that way. To whom also he showed himself alive. We just read that, right? After his passion to many by many infallible proofs. Undeniable proofs. Nobody could deny it. They were infallible. There was no mistake. There was no mistaking that that had to be from Jesus. Being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he which saith he, have ye have heard of me. He talked about it all the time. Right? For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. I had never heard of that. There's people out there that you're going to talk to that have never heard of that. Baptized with the Holy Ghost. Well, they hear the word ghost and that just scares them. It doesn't hardly help to use the word spirit either sometimes because they're, they're out there, they're lost. But, you know, the best way I know to explain that is to tell them about my experience, what it felt like to me, what happened to me, how it changed me. I can't, you know, I can't explain it to you. All I can tell you is this is what happened. Because you'll never forget that as long as you live. Right, Sister Sonia? The day you got the Holy Ghost? I'll never forget that. The day I got baptized in Jesus' name in the East China Sea, I'll never forget that. It's like I'm standing there right now if I think about it. Both my wife and I went down in Jesus' name that day. And the whole church was standing on the sea wall watching, clapping and hollering and hooting and shouting. And everybody was singing, there's a new name written down in glory and all that. Right? We'll never forget that. There you go. You don't have to wow them with Bible knowledge. Just tell them about the love of Jesus in your life what they did they they didn't have bible scriptures to turn to and say okay now sit next to the guy on the pew and say okay now turn here let's let's go here i've done that somebody gets the holy ghost at the altar and we were taught in the church in okinawa to you you sit down with them and show them in the book this is what happened just now here it is right here in plain english here you can read it so that they see this wasn't just some fluke this is what the, the book said was going to happen to you when they therefore came together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Kind of a fleshly question, right? They were still looking at it as a natural, earthly kingdom. He didn't even address that. He said, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. That's Seasons are the times at which certain foreordained events take place. It's not for you to know the, when the foreordained events are taking place. That's God's business, which, which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye, who's ye? Who's, who's he talking to? 120 people, right, or so, somewhere in there? Because there was 120 in the upper room. He at least was talking to 120, maybe more. But he was really, by extension, like you said, talking to us. He was talking to believers. But ye, believers, shall receive power. What kind of power? 
That word is dynamis or dunamis. That, that word dunamis means not just supernatural ability, but his supernatural ability. He's going to give us power. Power to who? Believers, right? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So immediately after receiving the Holy Ghost, you immediately have that power. That same power that tore that veil from top to bottom. That same power that shook those rocks and let those dead people rise out of the grave is available to you the minute you receive the Holy Ghost. Am I saying that right? And you shall be witnesses unto me. That word witnesses in the Greek is marturos. What's that sound like? That's where we get the word martyr, Brother Wayne. <laughs> and you shall be martyrs unto me. What, what happens to martyrs? They're, they're martyred, right? They die for the sake of the kingdom. If need be. This is what he was saying to the church, to you. You shall be witnesses. Not just having fun going out there talking. You might have to die for the sake of the kingdom. Whatever it takes. Both in Jerusalem, the local area. Judea, the area outside of that. Samaria, the outside area outside of that. And to where? The uttermost parts of the earth. Whatever that means. The vestals are going to the uttermost parts of the earth. The sims are going to the uttermost parts of the earth. We can't all go there. Or can we? We do go. We, we go by sending them and making sure they're taken care of. We send them. The churches took care of Paul. They took up offerings to take care of Paul because Paul was his job was to go traveling. He went on all those missionary journeys, right? And he would I mean he was a tent maker. He would try to make his own living, but there was times where the church gave him offerings to kind of carry him down the road to the next one. So that's what we do. Because God doesn't call everybody to those countries. He needs people here. He needs people here in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Because there's demonic spirits in La Crosse, Wisconsin that need to be bound. And the only way they're getting bound is in Jesus' name. And the only way that's happening is through the church, the body, the believers. And it's not just having power for the sake of having power. So that you can go around bragging about, I got the power of the Holy Ghost. About you. It's not about that. He gave us power and he expected us to use it. Not just willy-nilly using it, but we need to use it according to the way he tells us to use it. And he's going to do that. We don't, I don't even think we have... We realize, I know I don't. I'll speak for myself. I don't realize the power that's in me. The things that, that I'm capable of in the Holy Ghost. It would blow my mind. I know it would be a small explosion, but it would blow my mind. 
Mark 16, 17, and 18 says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. Who is that? Believers. That's us. That's anybody that's listening to this Bible study. That's you if you're teaching this Bible study to somebody. You are you're on your way to being a mentor and a disciple maker of whoever it is you're teaching this Bible study to. Because at some point, if they're st- if they're truly hungry, they're going to keep coming, and if they keep coming, eventually something's going to click. Everybody in this room can remember when something clicked, when revelation came, when it, like Brother Parker talked about that girl in the Bible study they were doing. She started screaming in the middle of the Bible study, "I see it! I see it! I see it!" Just interrupted the whole Bible study. And we, and we don't say, "Hey, hey, calm down! I'm not done yet." We just let the Holy Ghost move. They see it. We all were there. Even if you were raised in church, you still had to see it. You still had to receive revelation. And so it says here that all these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they, shall, they being believers, shall do what? Cast out devils. Is that happening? Just, just a rhetorical question. Is that happening? You have to ask yourself. It's not a question I'm asking you to answer. I'm just asking you to ask yourself, is that really happening? They shall speak with new tongues. Yeah, that's happening. Notice the order here. He puts casting out devils first before speaking in tongues. That wasn't a mistake. It was in there, put in that order for a reason. And they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall. There's a, this is All this is shall, not might. This is all shall. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. There's that song that said, The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in me. Right? It does. But we do we really believe that? <clears throat> Back in the the Brush Arbor days, when we had people that were having church on wooden benches with sawdust down on the ground for a floor, we had preachers like C.P. Kilgore that did things like. He had to go baptize like 40 people once, and he went to this pond that was full of snakes. And nobody nobody went in that pond because it was full of snakes, probably water moccasins or something like that. And he needed a place to baptize people, and so he just prayed. And they said, as the story goes, when he when he stepped a foot in that pond, all the snakes they said went out the other end of the pond, and left the pond, all of them. And he, he stepped into that pond and baptized 40 people in Jesus' name. And that, that wasn't just some special thing that, that, that God gave C.P. Kilgore. And, it's, and then that's the end of that. We have that same power. We have that same power, folks. To do things like Pray in Jesus' name over a bunch of guys that are coming to a building where you're having church in a foreign country. Won't mention the country, but 
they stood outside and surrounded the building, and they all had submachine guns, and they just started shooting in the building. And there was holes in the building to prove that they were shooting, but nobody got hurt. Because one little girl with a Bible stood in front of one of them and stuck it up and said, In Jesus' name, I bind you, or something to that effect. And there's a shirt. Somebody's got a shirt somewhere of the preacher that was there. And the shirt has holes in it where he should have been. There should have been holes in the man, and there wasn't. So he actually got shot at, and the the bullets never went. It pierced his body. All because some little teenage girl prayed in Jesus' name. (laughs) That's fairly recently. So, folks, we got power. We got power. And God wants to use, not just you, not just me, not just the pastor. God wants to use some new convert that you teach a home Bible study to in your house or in their house or at McDonald's or wherever. God wants to use that person. He wants to fill them with the Holy Ghost and use them to do these things. But he wants to use us to do these things. But it's not going to happen if we're just sitting in here. It's not going to happen if we don't sacrifice some of our own. And I say that, sacrifice some of our own time. It doesn't even make sense. (laughs) If you believe that you're not your own, you're bought with a price, that means your time is not yours either. Whoopsie. (laughs) If he lets you have time to do stuff, that's why that car is still sitting up on Jack Stands, Pastor. And that's, it's kind of funny, comical, but I seriously, I, I told Brother Sims when he got there and I had to open the garage and he saw it. Oh, wow, you know. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, I purposed when I got that. I wasn't going to let that thing come to the place where it would occupy all my time. Because there's men out there that would do that, that would let a vehicle, they would just give every spare moment to working on that thing. And I could very easily, but I won't. And so I asked God if it's okay if I go work on it. I let him give me the peace and the time to go do it. And I'll get it fixed eventually. And, you know. After everything my poor wife went through and listening to me for 35 years and finally getting me that, if God turned around and told me to sell it tomorrow, I'd do it in a heartbeat. I wouldn't even hesitate. wouldn't even blink an eye. It'd break my heart for a minute. But I at least would be able to say I had one. Right? He let me have one. And that was my, my mantra for years. If God wants me to have one, I'll have one. If he doesn't, I'll, I'll just settle for the little 125th scale models that are in my office of all the ones I wish I had. <laughs> they're, easy, they're easy to maintain. You just dust them off, everyone. <laughs> Praise God. But we got to get serious, folks. Where sin doth abound... And I'm done after this. What's the rest of that scripture say? Grace doth much more abound. Now, if you're if you don't think sin's abounding in this world right now, if you don't think that darkness is like standing outside that door, 
I don't want that darkness coming in here, do you? How do we keep that darkness out of here? we got to be apostolic in every way, shape, manner, and form. We've got to make sure the devil knows he ain't welcome in here. And we got to make sure them out there know that there's a better life for them. And we got to be available. we got to be out there. we got to be doing it. doesn't mean you stand up in the middle of the family restaurant and just start preaching the gospel. you got to do the way God tells you to do it. If he tells you, if he gives you an opportunity, if you, if you, if God uses you, and he will use you in the gift of discernment, if you're sitting in a restaurant and you begin to feel something around a waitress like they're going through something, God's telling you they're going through something. And that's an opportunity for you to say, hey, I feel like God's telling me you're going through something. Would you mind if we prayed? It could be as simple as something like that. And you know how many people would just say yes in a heartbeat? If they're really going through something? (laughs) Do you know how many people have received the Holy Ghost in a restaurant like that? Just because they agreed to let some saint sitting in the booth pray for them? I want to be that person. Not so I can get the glory. So God can get the glory. Because who knows if that one waitress is not the, the linchpin that would save everybody in that restaurant. But you got to be there. you got to be available. you got to be ready to do what God's called you to do. Amen? Let's all stand. Brother, the mute's going to quit rambling now. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you, Father. I, I pray, Lord Jesus, that every word that I've spoken has been from you, Father. I pray that you have spoken to the hearts and minds of your people. Father, I pray that you would have have brought revelation. I pray that you have challenged us in some way today, Lord Jesus, to step out beyond our own comfort zone, to step out from beyond ourselves, O God, and realize that we are a vessel fit for your kingdom, fit for your use, O God, that we would be that vessel of honor to you, Jesus, in everything that we do and say, Lord, that we would seek to do your will in this world, Lord, to bring the lost to a place of of a place where they can begin to have a relationship with you, God. We thank you for every opportunity that you give us, Lord. Give us the sensitivity and the Holy Ghost to know, Lord Jesus, when we are being called and sent and positioned in such a way as to be a blessing to somebody else. 